Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Breakfast and class today is dedicated in loving memory of Pauline's fa- uh, father, Eddie Misri Alava Shalom Ezra Ben Victoria, on, uh, on his first Askara, sponsored by Pauline and Soli Asa. As well, breakfast in the class dedicated in loving memory and Lilui Nishmat Shaul Ben Eliyahu Vitova, Shaul Ben Tova, Ben Eliyahu Akohen, Alava Shalom, sponsored by Simon Simantov. As well, breakfast in the class dedicated loving memory of Barry Sit, Alava Shalom, Lilui Nishmat, Ovadia Ben Esther, sponsored by his son Jack Sit. Dedicated also in loving memory of Baruch Sakai, Alava Shalom, Lilui Nishmat, Baruch Ben Eshag, Alava Shalom, sponsored by his son Alexander Sakai, and uh, and as well sponsored by Ben Chakshur, dedicated lo- in honor of his wife Limor on their one year wedding anniversary. Way to leave us off on a very positive, beautiful uh, note. Okay, my friends. Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Shehako Nehiyah Baro. Our parasha begins by telling us about the very difficult story of the sons of Aharon HaKohen, of Nadav and Avihu. They come into the Mikdash, exactly where they came is a machloket, a, 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 a disagreement, but they came into the Mikdash and they they did, they brought some sort of korban that they should not have brought, that's what it says. They brought a foreign fire. And what happened? A fire comes out from before God. And it consumes them. And these two great tzaddikim, they die before God. Now, our rabbis learned from the fact that it says, right after this story, it starts to tell us the laws how a Kohen is not allowed to drink wine or intoxicating beverages before he goes into the Mikdash. Yain v'shechar al-tesht. Rashi says right away, l'lametcha, to tell you, that if a person is drunk, sh'nichnesu sh'tuyayin, they're not allowed to go in and look, and they went in, and they were drunk, sh'tuyayin. Um, the problem is, the pasuk says, that they brought a foreign fire, which means that they brought a, a, a korban that they were not commanded to bring. So, so far, what do we have? They brought a korban they weren't commanded to bring. We also have that they drank wine when they came in, they were drunk when they uh, approached the avodah, which is also the, the reason. The Gemara brings another reason, that they taught the halakha in front of Moshe Rabbeinu. That a student that is posek halakha in front of his rabbi, is a very grave sin. Then another Gemara says that uh, they were heard saying, When will these two uh, elders die? Moshe and Aaron, that we should become the leaders of the generation. The Zohar teaches the reason is that because they weren't married. The problem is, the problem is that, again, another opinion says they went into the Kodesh HaKodashim, which is only for the Kohen Gadol. You have six reasons, seven reasons, all these reasons that they, of what they did wrong, uh, and that's why uh, they perished, and that's why they passed. The problem that we're left with is that after they, they do pass, Aharon is... Uh, experiencing a, a grief which is so profound, which is so all-encompassing, that it literally renders him mute. Now there's no doubt that that's also because of Aharon's great faith in Borei Olam and his uh, great fortitude based on that faith. But at the same time, I would have expected him, even if he's not going to yell, scream, cry, uh, you know, moan, be bitter towards God to say something. I don't know, say Kaddish. Say something. Vayidom Aharon. Aharon is silent. Right? Aharon is really rendered. 
uh, mute by this story. It's such a powerful thing. And he's very upset. And Moshe comes to Aaron and he says to him, I knew that God had told me, Bikrovai Akadish, that I will become sanctified by uh, having those that are closest to me bear the brunt of my judgment. And when someone sees someone so high fall from grace, then they'll know as well what their place is and how important and how um, serious these matters are. Kasavur Haiti, Moshe says. I thought that that close person that God chose because they were closest to him, Bikrovai, with those that are close, Akadesh, I will become sanctified. Right? I thought that was going to be either me or you. But now that I see it was Nadav and Avihu, I see that they were greater even than us. That, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu says to Aharon. And that brings Aharon such a, a, a deep sense of comfort. That he understands that they are greater tzaddikim even than Moshe and Aharon. And the question is, I mean, it seems obvious. Everyone's fighting to find another reason. We came up with seven different reasons. I mean, how great are these people? Right? All these reasons, they, all these things they did wrong. If there was such great tzaddikim, bigger than Moshe and Aharon, how many mistakes do we find that Moshe made? Very few, right? You find Moshe hit the rock. What else? What else is considered Avon on behalf of Moshe? Moshe maybe lost his temper once. Very few. And here we have seven different reasons. Achachamim brings something unbelievable. But I want to express it the way of the mashal of the Apirion Shilomo. And he says something unbelievable. He says, imagine you're walking in a beautiful hotel. You go to a Passover program. The hotel is magnificent, gleaming. The floors are shiny. You walk in, you tell the guy, wow, what a, what a beautiful hotel this is, you tell the manager. Manager tells you, yeah, you better believe it. Everything in here, the staff goes over with a fine-tooth comb. They're cleaning nonstop. In fact, the floor you're walking on, look how shiny it is. It was just clean. Anyway, wow, beautiful. Now you go get yourself uh, something from the, the, uh, the buffet. As you're walking back, your schnitzel falls on the floor. You're going to eat your schnitzel off the floor? No. No five-second rules, right? Doesn't worry about that. You're not going to eat your schnitzel off the floor. Throw it in the garbage. Why? He just told you. They just cleaned the floor. And that Piryon Shilomo says it so beautifully. It's true. The floor is clean. Shining. Spick and span. For a floor. It's clean for a floor. <laughs> it's not clean for a plate. The method by which one would decide, or the measure by, me measure by which one would uh, attempt to quantify if something is clean for a floor, is a different modicum than we use uh, to figure out if something is clean for a plate. Imagine I'm in my kitchen for one second. I pull out a, a knife, it, uh, the, the handle is red, okay? Uh, and in my house, growing up always, red was basar, red was meat, blue was cheese. Does anyone have this? Mm -hmm. And then I got married, they, for some reason, blue was milk, and red was, and red was cheese. And I, could, I have to tell you, it caused me all sorts of problems. You put the towels, the thing, everything is backwards, you know. 
I think the difference between whether your meat is referenced by blue is only how rare you like your steaks cooked. Okay, either way, the point is, Rabotai, yeah, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you walk into your kitchen, you pull out one of these red knives, assuming it's meat. You know, you make sure you cleaned it with soap, you know, with the, the dishwashing uh, thing, you scrubbed it with your, with your, uh, with your sponge. You're gonna use this sponge, you're gonna use this knife, sparkling clean, to cut your schnitzel, hopefully not one that fell on the floor. Any problems with that? No, perfectly clean. Could you imagine a guy knocks at the door? He says, you have a knife? You say, yes. He said, is it clean? He said, yeah, I just washed it with my dishwashing soap. I scrubbed it with the, with the thing. The guy says, I need it immediately. You say, what do you need my knife from me for? He says, oh, I'm performing surgery in Lenox Hill. You know, I just, we ran out of knives. We had just figured maybe, I came to one of the first houses near the hospital. You know, I just figured maybe, to use a knife like that for a surgeon is to kill a patient, right? Is that obvious? Yeah. Why? Because the measure of cleanliness you'd use for a knife that's cutting schnitzel is not the measure that you would use for a knife that's cutting a human being. Unless it's your in-laws and you don't like them very much. But the point is in general, right, that's not, that's not gonna work. You're gonna kill the person. But if you look at the knife, the knife is clean. It was washed. Scrubbed, yeah, but it was scrubbed with a, with a, with a sponge that's been sitting out all day, with a sponge that has living in it microorganisms that has living in it germs that you can't see. Now the problem here is that the knife looks beautiful, the floor looks beautiful, but the germs that you're trying to avoid you cannot see. You can only see with a microscope. My friends, when the Torah tells us, when the Gemara tells us that Nadav and Aviu made this mistake, or that they made this mistake, we're not talking about egregious sins. We're talking about sins that the Gemara, the Amoraim, the Tanaim, the great sages, they could not find the sin. So they looked for something that would justify the punishment that they got, and they found the remez here. Oh, the next parasha says Yain v'shechar. Must be that they came in. They, what do you think? They came in after downing, uh, you know, the, uh, six pack of beer through a hose, right? Were they sitting with the red cup at a, you know, at a, at a frat house party, right? You think that's how they came in? It means that they drank a rivi'it and four drops of wine. They had more than a shi'ur. That's what it means. They came in shitu yayin. There was a halakha of how much they could drink. They drank a drop more. Nisu'in, they maybe, they didn't weren't married. They didn't say they're against marriage. They're a marriage. You know, they're not the, they, they didn't marry. They hadn't married for whatever reason at that point. They hadn't married yet. Maybe they were a little too picky as an example. And they shouldn't have been. And that indicated that on their level, on the level that they were being judged, when you're being judged as a surgeon, everything needs to be sterile. Not only can it not have obvious marks on the knife, it can't even have marks on the knife that you could see with a microscope. You know why? Because when you are you or me, what's a sin? A sin is when I do something that's blatantly obvious. I eat something is not kosher. You know, Rav Moshe writes that a person who eats from a lamb that wasn't raised in relatively humane conditions, that animal is assured to eat. It takes sometimes, unfortunately, if you look around, people that are unscrupulous, they'll lock the legs of the lamb in place, put it in a box, 
Okay, lock the cage. The head of the lamb is out. That way, the only thing it can do in its life is eat. It can't move. They don't want the muscles developing because that makes the meat a little bit tougher. You eat from a lamb like that, says Rav Moshe, it's not kosher. Now go find me that law that it's not kosher in the Torah. It says that there's laws, we read it in the parasha, if it chews its gut, if it has split hooves, kosher. Doesn't say if it has split hooves, da 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 If it's not free range, doesn't say that in the Torah. Doesn't say organic. So how does Rav Moshe say that it's asur? What Rav Moshe is saying is bal nefesh. A person who has a sensitive nishama, he shouldn't be eating from this. Now, I need you to understand, for a person that's on that level, that's not a chumrah, that's not a stringency, that's demanded of him. How could you be a person that is refined, that pays attention to all these details, that does this? It's disingenuous. It's, it's not appropriate for someone like you to be eating something that came from Sarba Lechaim. Do you understand this point? That's what our rabbis mean when they say Baal Nefesh Yachmir. A person who has a soul inside of him. He has a heightened soul. Yachmir, he needs to be more, more Machmir. But for him, it's not a Chumrah. In fact, the Gemara shares a very interesting story. The Gemara tells about one of the Amoraim who was very wealthy. And he calls these workers, these workers are very poor, and he asks them to, tra- he asks them to transport this very heavy uh, bottle, uh, you know, barrel of, uh, of uh, spirits. They take the barrel, they transfer the barrel. As they're transferring the barrel, it's very heavy. They drop it, it explodes, spills out all of his liquid. Anyway, the, the rabbi, obviously now he's not going to pay them for not delivering it, but they also cost them all this uh, thousand pounds of wine or whatever it is, thousand dollars of wine. So he takes their jackets that they had left as collateral for them to pay him back. They go to complain to Bedin. Bedin calls the, the rabbi in and they say, listen, what do you mean? How are you taking, take their jackets? Give them back their jackets. He said, but they owe me the money for the thing. He said, not only are they not going to pay you the money for the thing, you're going to pay them. Pay them for the... He said, I should pay them to transport. Uh, the, I paid them to transport the thing. They didn't get there. They broke it. I have to pay. And listen to the words that he says. Dinahachi? Is this the law? Are you telling me what I should do or what I must do? And the Betin answered him. In dinahachi. Yes, this is the halakha. Why? Because the Pasuk says, yashar You must do that which is straight, that which is good. For someone like you, the, we are posek in halakha, for someone like you who's wealthy, who's giving work to someone like them who's so poor, it's not appropriate for you to take, to make them pay when this happened by accident. And the question always resonates with me in my head. Dina hachi? Is that the din? In, yes. For someone like you, this is the law. We read about this the other day when we talked about this great wealthy man called Nakdimon Ben-Gurion, whose daughter, whose daughter was found in the streets picking out of the dung of the animals food. And the rabbi says to her, how can it be that your father who gave so much to Dakar, and there's two answers in the Gemara, but the answer relevant for this point was, according to what he had, he did not give enough. So yes, he gave a lot of money to Sadaqah. You want to know why that Sadaqah didn't save him? Because it wasn't enough for him. 
He should have been giving far more to tzedakah. And on his level, he was not a tzedakah giver. That's what his own daughter says, okay? Rabotai, that's what we're discovering when we look at Nadav and Avihu. We're discovering this concept that the greater a person is, the more is demanded of him because he's capable of doing that. So when we read about these mistakes of Nadav and Avihu, we have to bear in mind that with all that we're saying and all these pishatim, Moshe Rabbeinu still says to Aaron, they were greater than us. So could you fathom what those mistakes might have been? My friends, I'm going to maybe perhaps uh, end with this concept because this should bother you. And I remember first time learning this and I was thinking, okay, you know what, Ajit, I'm not going to go in the passing lane. I'll go in the, I'll drive on the shoulder, 15 miles an hour, and then everything is easy. Hashem doesn't expect too much from me. I'm not religious. So you know what? I eat kosher once. Hashem is like, Right? What am I, what? I got to be, get more religious. And then Hashem expects more. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then. Well, you're crazy. Forget about it. God is uh, stringent. He is exacting with righteous people. Like a hair. Okay, no problem. I won't be righteous. So he brings a beautiful mashal. I want you to imagine for one second. Okay? A person who's... This person that came to the door, this surgeon. Yeah? He makes a mistake, the surgeon. He touches something he wasn't supposed to touch. He doesn't wash his hands or her hands uh, well enough. The price of the simplest, smallest mistake can cause a patient on the table to die. Even, by the way, if I did nothing wrong. Even if, as an example, I took the most sterile knife, I unpacked the knife, put it on the table, then I realized, oh, I forgot my coffee. I go to the cafeteria, I go get myself a coffee, now I'm awake, I come back. Can I use the knife I put out 15 minutes ago? No. Because maybe, maybe, maybe. Now that that's the case, you think any surgeon thinks to themselves, you know what, this is ridiculous. I should have been a janitor. Right? Any, do you know anyone in life, in the physical realm, that says, you know what, if I'm a CEO and I make a mistake, we lose a lot of money, right? I get fined. <laughs> if I have a conversation with somebody at a wedding, the SEC is on my tail. Hadjit, I should have become a janitor. Did those words come out of people's mouths? Who hold positions, which, you know? No, you're the President of the United States, you push the wrong button, you wipe out a country, right? If you work in one of those stores that has the claw that goes down and gets a bear, you push the wrong button, you might have got yourself a fluffy bear. <laughs> right? Zero ramification. I don't know anyone that was the President of the United States that says to themselves, you know, I really made a mistake. I should have. <laughs> I, I could have been living in my basement, <laughs> pushing any buttons I wanted. Free to push all the buttons in the world. Nobody says that. The most beautiful thing is that in this service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we grow, there's always more. There's always more. When I was a child, I remember 
that there was a thrill. I still remember the first time I beat Mike Tyson's punch out. Now, most of you in this room are too young for that. But Mike Tyson's punch out on the original Nintendo entertainment system, the NES, which is what we felt it was actually, a NES, okay? Except if your cartridge didn't work and you had to. <laughs> we solved so many problems with our, with our breath back in the day. Okay, I remember up, up, down, down, right, right, left, left, remember that? That's how you skipped straight to Mike Tyson, right? Remember that? Anyway, so I got in there, and you had to know, by the way, you hit my play with Mike Tyson, one punch, you're out if he hits you. One punch. You know what the secret was to beating Mike Tyson in Mike Tyson's punch out on the Nintendo Entertainment System? Huh? The wind. The wind? Yes, but there was more than that. For the first one minute and 30 seconds, you had to dodge his punches. You don't fight him. Because all he was doing for one minute and 30 seconds was throwing uppercuts. If he hit you with one uppercut, one punch, you were down for the count. So you need to dodge for one minute and 30 seconds. Right, left, right, left, right, left. After one minute and 30 seconds, if you survived that time in the rink with Nintendo Mike Tyson, he shifted from uppercuts to jabs. But his jabs couldn't knock you out with one. Now you had what they called, you're in with a fighting chance. You understand? I still remember beating the game, how excited I was. Now, could you imagine any child saying, such a shame, this game is so hard. I wish I could just turn on the game, punch Mike Tyson one time, and then win the game. There's no point in that game. If a game is too easy to solve, everyone's disappointed with it. Life is no different. The better we get, the finer the goals become. So first in the beginning, it's doing the right thing. Then after a while, sometimes it's no longer impressive. It's no longer the Nisayon to do the right thing. Now it's to do the right thing at the right time. So in the beginning, you have to put Tefillin on every day. Right? And you manage to put it on at some stage during the day until Shkiah. Fantastic. In the beginning, that's unbelievable. You go a week putting on tefillin every day, you feel like a He-Man. Right? After that, what happens? You start to learn, oh, you're really supposed to put tefillin on and say Shema and Amidah. So you say Shema and Amidah. Then you start going to shul. Then you start coming to shul on time. Then you start praying in shul without talking to the guy next to you the whole time. Then you pray in shul without talking to the guy next to you with having kavanah in one beracha. That hill, that mountain, it's so majestic a mountain to climb. That's what we're here to do. And yes, eventually it comes a point when the standard we hold ourselves to is so fine that coarser people won't even see that we did anything wrong. And the mistakes that you made are microscopic. They're not even visible to the human eye. And we have to look and find the remez and the pasuk to be able to understand what you did wrong. My friends, there was a gabai in a synagogue. You know, had that, his job was to sit in the synagogue all day. But he was very nervous that people would think he doesn't do anything. So whenever he needed to change the light bulbs, in our synagogue we don't have very many light bulbs. We have these spotlights, whatever, or you can't even see them at the top of the thing. But I remember a synagogue that I used to go to in Israel. It was called Musayof. Anyone here ever been to Musayof in Jerusalem? 
It's like a shtibul minyan. Yeah? So the place is hilarious. If someone made a television show that just filmed the people in this place every day, it would be the hit show on TV forever. The characters that are there are unbelievable. I still remember once someone bought uh, three boxes of burekas, beautiful, delicious burekas for everyone to make a beracha. <laughs> and I remember there was one cheese, and there was one potato, and there was one mushroom, pitriot, okay? Anyway, this guy takes a beautiful, steaming, hot, flaky burekas, uh, what's it called, from uh, Hadama of, uh, of uh, potato, and he starts biting into the burekas, and it's delicious, and it starts flaking. Hatha didn't want it to fall on the floor. So he reached over the box and he's eating his burekas over the box and he's dripping. <laughs> all the pieces are now falling on all the other burekas. <laughs> you understand? Right? This place is hilarious, but it's too funny. I'm sitting once in, the, in a line around people go doing the, 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 what's it called, with the hoshana, and some guy, the line wasn't moving fast enough. So he starts poking the guy in his abor with the end of the, you know how, how much that hurts, the end of the lulav? He's poking, it's amazing. It was just very, very funny place. But in this place, they have these chandeliers, but who put the chandeliers in? Literally whoever wanted. It's not a chandelier in the middle, a chandelier on the right, a chandelier on the left. Every two inches, some guy had a yard site, so he comes in, in the afternoon when no one's there, he installs a light. So the whole, it looks like it's a, you know the lighting stores that have every, the whole place is covered with light, it looks insane, it looks insane, but it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and insane at the same place, at the same time. So imagine this guy, he thinks no one notices what he does. So the only time he ever changes a light bulb is when? Between Mincha and Arbit. <laughs> you understand? The whole day he can change it, no problem. But he's getting his ladder out in between Mincha and Arbit, they're waiting three minutes, so that the whole community could see him change a light bulb. Did he do anything wrong? Nothing wrong. But this is a guy, I mean, he's drawing so much attention to the good deed that he's doing. If he's a very fine Jew, come on. Come on. You understand? Go find me the halakha, you won't find it. But the point here is that every person needs to understand where they are at. And sometimes, in a fight that you're in, where someone is playing dirty, and you're willing to do something, because look at what he's doing. Think to yourself, that's where he's at. This is beneath me. You get into an argument in the synagogue. Someone says something, they're not nice. They're cutting. You could say something back. Just because he said it, doesn't mean I say it. I don't judge myself, my behavior, my religious level by anyone else but by myself. And for Nadav and Avihu, who were so high, they were better even than Moshe and Aharon, for them, the tiniest fraction, microscopic, uh, you know, was already enough to be able to be defined as not being befitting of their stature. There is no one in your lane but yourself. Judge yourself by yourself. Never by anybody else. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen.